Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I do think that, um, that like as humans, we're all trained to move away from pain. And so I think that our masks are, are just these like things we put up to keep ourselves safe. Mm-hmm. that the mask that I wore was like, oh, I have to wear this mask where I can figure out how to be a girl because no one no one can know my shameful secret that I'm a boy secretly and like I don't fit and there's no one else like me. And so as a kid, I truly did believe that like I was the only human on the planet that had been born in the wrong body, mm. you know? And I had this intense... um this like shame and fear about who I was and like what I was going to do about it and how I could hide the secret. And I remember um, once someone, we were at like a, a, I was at a junior or like a youth event at my church because I went through a little church phase there myself. (laughs) And, um, and there was a visiting like missionary who was like speaking at our youth group. And he was like, this boy over here, he's got the right idea. And I remember he was like talking about me and I, and I like sat there and I remember saying just like out loud, I'm a girl, like in like this, like, you know, sort of like, I can't believe this is happening. Like this shameful, whatever. And like, he was ashamed and I was ashamed and I was like, crap, he saw through me. He knew my terrible secret. And so I had to double down even harder because I just didn't think it was safe. I was so ashamed of who I was. I like, there was no one else like me. And I think that all of us, when we put these masks on, it's because we believe that there's no one else like us, that we're like the only one that like, you were the only uncool fifth grader who didn't have the, <laughs> the guts to talk to the girl, you know, which like the truth is, is that even the coolest fifth grader was terrified of it. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Nick and Catherine, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, we're super excited to be here. Yeah, it is my pleasure to have you here. So I was actually introduced to you by way of one of our listeners, Elaine Wellman, who spoke incredibly highly of you. And given that she's a super fan of our show and really knows what I'm looking for, uh, I kind of figured it was a no-brainer. I, I don't think I even read your bios. I was like, yeah, okay, <laughs> but they have to be solid. So uh, before we get into what you guys are up to in all your work, uh, I want to start by asking each of you, what is one of the most important things that you learned from one or both of your parents growing up that have influenced who you've become? and what you've done with your life today. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I'll start. My parents modeled unconditional love and they modeled it so well that I took it for granted. You know, I didn't realize how lucky I was as a kid to know that my parents loved me truly no matter what until I went out into the world and realized that that's actually not something that everybody gets. Um, And I feel incredibly lucky to have received that. It was like getting this... Uh, essential emotional nutrient that I I didn't even realize how much I was I was soaking it up. Mm. Uh, and for me, I would say that mine is sort of the opposite. <laughs> I uh, I grew up really really poor in a really chaotic sort of house, and um, with like a lot of uncertainty and and change all the time. And so I learned really quickly to. Um, sort of like read the emotions and minds of the grownups around me and do the right things in order to get the outcomes that I needed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for, for both of you, I wonder being, you know, transgender, being queer, like what is that dynamic like uh, in a household growing up, particularly if unconditional love is present? Like what does that conversation unfold like with your parents? Because, you know, I mean, I can't even imagine what that's like because I'm not. So, and I know Indian parents would just be, you know, I think they'd be mortified. They would be like, we got to figure out how to change this. Yeah. It's culturally, it's, it's a lot for lots of different people. Um, and for me, not not really having that consistency it meant that i i knew that it wasn't safe for me to be completely myself and so i knew that like oh i can't be that i have to do something different and be something different which is why i lived the first 31 years of my life in a body that and in a uh, social situation that didn't feel like it was mine it didn't feel like it was who i was it felt incredibly um like numbing and painful but at the same time i knew that the the alternate was harder, I think. Um, and so for me, it, it meant really like hiding who I was getting really good at playing the part that I needed to play. Um, 
which, you know, there's some benefits I can take away from that too. The downside was that I didn't really learn who I was until I was in my my 30s. But the upside was that I can like, I can chameleon into any situation that I need to. Um, Yeah. You know, it was a conversation that I didn't have with my parents until I was an adult. Um, And my growing up experience is a little bit unique. My parents are actually Christian missionaries. So I grew up, yeah, I grew up in Japan, um, steeped in religion. I, everyone I knew were, you know, people of devout faith. Um, and I always knew that I was different than them, you know, and, and being queer, I didn't even have language to describe that. I knew that I was so different from the people around me, mostly because I, I didn't believe what they believed. I didn't feel God the way they felt God. I didn't believe in Jesus. I didn't feel saved. Um, and that was this really big, scary secret that I held for a long time. Um, and so the fact that I thought that women were just as attractive as men was like so far down the list of things that I was worried about that <laughs> it really didn't, didn't even come into play until much later for me. I wonder, you know, your parents being uh, of such devout faith, when you did finally have this conversation, mm-hmm. what role do you think faith played in how, how that conversation went? Um, and, you know, what, if any, are, are your own religious and spiritual beliefs today? Well, I'm a total heathen mystic. Um, I have, have, have completely left the church of my my parents and my upbringing. Um, I left it kind of in a blaze of fire, actually, in my early 20s. I did all the right things. I got married really young. I married a Christian. Um, I was a virgin on my wedding night. Like I was trying so hard to do all the right things. And I grew so unhappy, so incredibly depressed, in fact, that I finally had a, a dramatic choice point where I was like, I can either stay in this life that everybody says is what I'm supposed to do and want, but I think it might kill me. Um, or I can leave and leave everything and hurt everyone I love and, you know, be a horrible, terrible sinner. And I'm probably going to hell, which was something that I really truly believed in at that point, although I no longer do. Um, and I chose to leave because I felt like it was, it was, a survival decision for me at that point. So my poor parents, I broke their heart. Um, I left my marriage, my church, my city, everything all at once in my early twenties. So by the time I was in my, my late thirties, which is when we really had this conversation, um, so much had gone down. <laughs> and I think, I think they had sort of like, well, I don't know what other surprises does she have for us? It turned out I had a, a few more still. Um, but my parents very much, um, what live in a world that is very different than the one that, that Nick and I live in. Um, they, they very much are still part of a faith community. They, they just retired from their many decades of missionary work this past, uh, this past year. And so I think that they were surprised and shocked. Um, but the thing about my parents is that they are truly loving people. Like they love. So I have many, many, many problems with the church um, and with Christianity as a religion. However, I have to say that my parents are like living lives that just ooze love everywhere. And and so they loved me and nothing, nothing changed that. So we had some some very uncomfortable conversations. Um, there were some bumps, some rocky parts, but they love us. And, and that's this incredible gift. Wow. And Nick, what about you? Yeah. Um, I'm like, it's for me, it was, I, I don't actually have a relationship with my mother at all anymore. So there was not really any coming out to her. Um, the biggest thing for me, it wasn't actually my parents because they're, although they are my parents, they're sort of more like, uh, like nice consultants and guides and friends and whatnot. My dad is. And, uh, and my stepmom is app is absolutely more of a friend than, than like, uh, a really, really like paternal person be or maternal person because she wasn't my stepmom until I was already married and lived away from home and had done all those things. Um, so for me, it wasn't so much about coming out to my family. It was uh, like my family of origin. It was more about I had children that I had birth. I had an ex-husband that I had to leave. And I 
had a whole bunch of other coming out in different places that were way more um, impactful and and difficult than I think people's normally are. I think that typically it's your family of origin, not the one that you've created. Yeah. Um, so how does um, sort of your, your, I mean, I, I don't imagine this is one of those things where your life doesn't drastically change the moment this happens from, you know, in every detail. I mean, you guys have both left marriages. Uh, what other aspects of your life change in terms of, you know, looking for work? Because I had Ray Sangari here who uh, is a transgender artist and we were talking about it, this, and, you know, she said that a lot of things that you, you know, are kind of oblivious, were oblivious to as, you know, people who aren't trans, we don't notice a lot of things. And she said, you know, I'd, I'd asked about that and uh, I'm curious what your own experiences with that have been. Yeah, it's always, um, it's this interesting thing because it, it, in many ways, my whole life did change. All of a sudden, my kids went from calling me mom to calling me dad. And I, you know, have an ex-husband who is, so now he has, he has an ex-husband and like, that's complicated and interesting. And, uh, <laughs> and like, we're really, really good friends now. Um, I think yeah. that we're, we're better friends now than we were when we were married for a, a bunch of reasons. Uh, but. I, I feel like, um, I, mm, I'm trying to think of where I was going with that. I feel as though it's, there are the huge big things, but there are like the death by a thousand paper cuts, so to speak in the other ways. It's things like I always wear a suit when I travel because I get treated better as a person wearing a suit than I do as a person wearing jeans and a t-shirt. Um, and mm -hmm. part of that is because as a trans man, I just look younger, um, it just, it's like, I like to say I hit the genetic like jackpot. Uh, but the truth is, is that in the moment, it's kind of hard when people are like, oh, are you going, you're, you're, this person's taking you to head off to college. And we're like, no, we're actually going on a romantic honeymoon. It's fine. But I'm probably not going to have sex tonight, lady. So thank you for that. Cause you just said my wife was my mom. Uh -huh. Like that, it's a lot of those things. It's things like uh, you go into a bathroom and, okay, like the bathroom bill is this big, exciting thing. We get to use men's bathrooms and things now, We the bathroom we identify with. But no one talks about the fact that like, I mean, you've been in a men's bathroom. The stalls are disgusting. They often <laughs> don't have a door nothing. on them. Someone's kicked it in. I don't know why they feel the need to kick the door in when they use it. I, it's un, I'm unsure. Like, yeah. why is it so gross in there? And like, that's my option. And so there's often restaurants that will go in that I'm like, actually, I can't use the bathroom here. We have to leave. Or... There's nowhere for me to use the bathroom or I have to like plan when I'm going to use the restroom in an airport because it's just a bunch of urinals or it's, there's all sorts of uh, things like that. There's issues about like when last time we took our kids to get vaccinated, there was a really in-depth conversation about who the birth parent was and why she couldn't understand that. And like, <laughs> she was to my wife was like, but who are you? And, and I was like, dear God, does it matter? Why does it matter? Like we are two parents here just trying to vaccinate our kids. Our names are on the things. Just give me a break here. You know, there's all these places that like that things are just different because the default is for heteronormative cisgendered people. And I imagine that um, there's all sorts of places that I don't see that like the world is set up for white people. And because I a pass as a white cis straight man, mm -hmm. I don't ex experience all these little paper cuts or giant gashes and wounds that people of color experience because I just can't put myself in that place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, people are always, I, I don't remember who it was that I think it was Elizabeth D'Alto had me on our podcast and she said, anytime I asked somebody, she's like, if you could come back as anybody in history, it would be like straight white man, because that's the <laughs> ultimate, you know, as far as winning the genetic lottery goes yeah. is, is, you know, the joke. Right. And, uh, I, you know, I think that if you're transgender and you're a minority, like that's just a, a, a you know, that that's a bunch of, of stuff you have to overcome far more than somebody who's not a minor. So I wonder in your own experiences, what have you noticed as the differences across cultures uh, in transgender people? And do you know any Indian transgender people? Uh, yeah, there's a really, really amazing artist named Vivek Shraya. Um, she is a Canadian. She is a trans woman. She's on um, the board of directors for the Tegan and Sarah Foundation. Um, she is a prof at the university of calgary or an assistant prof maybe um 
she's amazing. She has like albums and books. Uh, one of her, one of my favorite books uh, that it's of all time is called, um, I'm afraid of men and there and men are afraid of me. And mm. it's a great read. It's like a one sitting, sit down for a couple hours and power through it. But yeah, she's amazing. And I, I do think that, um, one of the reasons why I choose to be so visible and so, um, like, hey, I'm trans and it's a big deal and pay attention. There's lots of us uh, is because I have the privilege of being a um, what we call as passing, which is a problematic saying in itself based on that, like you are more worthy or better or or less worthy based on whether you pass as a cisgendered person. So someone who identifies as the same gender um, as they're assigned at birth and mm-hmm there's so much privilege around passing that and, and around being a white person and being in a straight relationship ish, uh, that I feel like it's my responsibility to stand up for like, you know, trans women of color who don't have that same privilege. You know, there were no white trans men that were murdered in the world this year that I'm aware of or last or the year before. Like we just, we have a special, we're like at the top of the, the pyramid i guess in the way that you know the in the social like safety yeah social safety i and it's really unfair it's it's but it's the patriarchy i mean it just sort of is what it is and we're trying really hard to like say something about it and do something about it um and use that responsibility for good or privilege for good because one of the other things that's at play for both Nick and I is that we both run our own businesses. And so there there wasn't that awkward moment for Nick where he had to like go into work and and have this, you know, awkward conversation or talk to his bosses about it or deal with people's reactions because we're both online entrepreneurs. You know, he's basically put it out online and was like, "So, if you don't want to work with me, don't work with me." Um again, we have this incredible freedom, you know, mm-hmm. which, which we love and we, we try to use it <laughs> for good as much as we can. Because yeah, I, I think that that, that's a tough situation that so many transgender people have to go through. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I find that I didn't even, I feel like, uh, having that privilege, I didn't realize mm-hmm. how, how messed up the world was. I always say to my wife that like, I didn't become a feminist until I became a man because (laughs) she used to, we were dating and I was still living as a woman and hadn't really fully figured out who I was or, or how I was going to work in the world or move in the world. And I, we had a conversation where I was like, I just, I don't know. I'm just not a feminist. And she like her head blew off and smoke came out of her ears and a fiery dragon just showed up. And I was like, Whoa, simmer down now, which didn't make her angry at all. And, um, And we had to have this conversation where I was like, I don't know. I feel like it's pretty like in Canada, it's pretty good here. Like we get, I I don't know that I've ever not gotten a job because I'm a woman. I don't know that this has ever happened. And I, I had the, I was definitely a more masculine presenting woman. Um, But then when I transitioned, the, the huge difference between the way the world treated me, the moment they saw me as male was the thing that like opened my eyes and my heart and my everything and was like, holy crap, what other places am I not even aware that things are going on like this? And it was things like people would compliment me on how beautiful my wife was. And I was like, I would like you to know that I had no part in that. (laughs) I did not put her makeup on today or choose her clothes. I did not make her. I, there's no, like, I have no responsibility in how beautiful she looks. So you probably should have that conversation with her because I don't know. Uh, people would give me the check, even though it was like she gave them the the her credit card to pay for something and they'd hand it back to me. And I was like, what is even happening? Uh, people will ask her, so what does your husband do? And I'm like, I, do you know, who, like, and ask what she does, who she is, how, like, it was just mind boggling to see that, like, all of a sudden I opened my mouth and people listened and they didn't need me to justify the things that I was saying anymore. I didn't need to back everything up with a statistic or a fact, which I had learned to be very well armed with because that's the way that women have to communicate in the world, in business, in things, is they have to back it up with numbers and justifications and statistics and all sorts of things. And all of a sudden the world opened up for me in this different way. And I couldn't believe what was happening. And that was the moment where I had to like change everything I did. It was so fascinating to watch it unfold because I'm 
like feminist AF. Like, I, <laughs> and so I literally was like, what do you mean you are not a feminist? Like I, this, our whole relationship is hanging in, in the balance and at this moment. And it was fascinating after Nick transitioned, he'd be like, oh my God, I, I, I just said something and they just believed me. Like they just took my word for it. And he'd be like, oh my gosh, guess what? This, this, I just pitched myself to this thing and I didn't even blink at my prices. Whereas before, you know, you'd get a lot of pushback. Um, And it was like one after another, after another, these like revelations, you know, would come through. And I I don't think I was very gracious. I think mostly I was like, I told you so. I mean, even (laughs) things like I looked at my client list before transitioning and I look at my client list now and I have about a 60% male client roster currently. And before I had two male clients ever, all Mm. of a sudden men are willing to listen to me because I look like them. Wow. So this is just a a personal question out of morbid curiosity. Uh, What is the dating and relationship and courtship process like and how did you guys meet? (laughs) <laughs> ours ours looks nothing like like we definitely are not speaking for anybody except ourselves here because uh ours was we very met strange and i was i had a six-month-old on my hip we were at a conference that Catherine was speaking at and i was helping because with because one of my friends was the organizer and i had a six-month baby on my hip and i was pregnant with my fourth kid and we were just like we met and we're like, wow, who are you? I need to know more about you. You're my new best friend. And we just sort of clicked until about a year and a half later when we clicked again and we were like, oh, there's more going on here. That's going to be messy. And so I went and left my husband and changed my life. And Catherine moved countries and changed her life. And, uh, you know, 18 months later, we got married and now we live in like the biggest gayest house that's ever was with our five kids. <laughs> it sounds almost like a sitcom. Almost. Uh, yeah. Sort of. Yeah. You know, it was, we didn't really ever date. We, we uh-huh. had, you know, we were really, really good friends. We loved each other so much, but com- like a hundred percent platonically right up until that moment where we had this like, Oh shit moment of like, Oh no, I'm, I'm a little bit secretly in love with you, but, but you, but wait, you too? Oh no, now what are we going to do? And, you know, the choice was like, all right, we like, we, we step away and we never talk about this again. And we probably is the, also the end of our friendship or you're going to get a divorce and we're going to get married and blend our families. Like there was no, like, let's get to know each other and date for a little while and see if we like each other. There was so much at stake with our kids, um, that it really was this, like, are, are we, you know, we were either going to do it for real or not do it at all. And so like in the first like 10 minutes, we were talking about things like, well, what are your non-negotiables when it comes to parenting? I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. Um, but I think it, it worked because we hadn't gotten to know each other as potential dating partners. We were best friends. We were, we were women best friends, right? Like we told each other all kinds of stuff that we would have never, ever, ever told each other if we were <laughs> dating and trying to make a good impression. So we knew each other in this deep way. Um, yeah, we'd, we'd watched each other parent. We'd been in each other's homes. I already knew all the things that drove her crazy, crazy and yeah. all the things that drove me crazy about her. Don't worry. There was more, more coming. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, so tell me what it's like to, to be parents in, in this situation. And also, what would you tell other parents who are listening to this? Like, what would you want them to tell their kids about you guys? Mm. That's a good question. Ah, uh, the the big thing that we have is that like we're really just not that different from any other family. I think that every single family has this one thing about them that makes them special, that makes them just a little bit different. It's like eighty percent of us is like the exact. We're all sort of the exact same, and then there's this twenty percent that is radically different. That's like this is this is our thing. You know, whether that means that you have a different religion than what the typical people around you have, or that you have a different sexual orientation, or that someone has a disability in your family, or that you, I don't know, that you're adopted. Or I think that every family has this special superpower. And this is, we think of it sort of as our superpower as like the thing that makes us different. And, um, but it's also the thing that makes us special, you know, and it's, 
allowed our kids to have this awesome worldview of like who people can be and that that you can be whoever you want to be and that you just get to decide how you wake up each and every day and and show up in the world with like you know our family motto is be kind and brave and no means no and your body's your own those are the other two uh, <laughs> when nick sends the kids off to school every morning he yells it out the door no means no your body's your own and they like roll their eyes or like oh dad you're so embarrassing uh but like <laughs> but we keep at it we just do and we just i think that like we're not scary. We're not really any different. We're just all humans and we just want to be loved and seen and heard and appreciated just like every other human does, you know? Um, yeah. And our, our kids, they don't think of it as this embarrassing, shameful secret because we've never had that narrative around it. It's like, oh, I am lucky enough to have really figured out who I am all the way deep down inside. And I get to be that person. And it, it gets to be this example that you can be whoever you want to be. Mm-hmm. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. What is the dynamic like uh, for them with other children uh, when you know other children look at their family? You know, like how do they explain you know, what their family is like when they're asked about it? 
Well, we really have no idea, of course, because we're, <laughs> we're not there. Yeah. Um, but our our ten year old will oft, often say, like, you know, my dad that used to be my mom, but now he's my dad. Like that was a thing he would say. <laughs> he would start with all the time. Like he'd like tell the teacher or like the crossing guard, and they'd be like, "Yeah, cool." We, it, we had to like teach him that like not everyone is necessarily entitled to every bit of all of your story all the time. <laughs> At least not in like the first 30 seconds yeah. after they meet you. Uh, so they like for them, they're just like, whatever. It's not a big deal. Like, you know, the, the other day we were watching, we're filming a documentary right now and we were watching a rough cut of it. And our five-year-old was like, oh, wait, dad, are you going to become a woman? Because she thought in her mind, I guess in her mind, she just forgot that I was trans. And so she thought I was going to go the other way. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh kid, I like, I guess we need to talk about this a little more. I don't know. I thought we <laughs> talked about it a lot, but okay. You know, yeah. it's just, it's not really a thing that like it's on their radar, but it's like this tiny little minuscule thing. Like, Oh yeah. And also, you know, my dad's allergic to shellfish. Like it's just this other afterthought. And yeah. I'm sure that they, deal with more things than they tell us or than we know about. I'm sure that it's, you know, I'm sure that, that there are moments when it is challenging for them. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it's also just something that we're so matter of fact about. And and we know lots of other queer families and we know families with, you know, transgender people in them. And so I think it gives them this sense of like, like, well, if someone has a bad response, there's this little bit of like, well, what's the matter with you? At least I hope, I hope, yeah. I hope, I hope that that's what they're, that's what they're taking away. But it, it definitely makes for some interesting conversations. The five-year-old was explaining to someone that she came out of her daddy's tummy. And of course they were like, well, no, honey, that's not how it works. And she was like, no, no, it really, it did. And, you know, like, how do you, yeah. how do you give, you know, a five-year-old language to explain that? We're, we're still trying to figure that out every day. You know, we certainly don't have... Um, all of the answers, but we we just try and be really straightforward with them, and we try and um, give them language. Like we were like, one way you might want to say that is this, and we'll sort of model that for them. It's true. The other day, the nine the nine year old was like, because he, I told him you're a bigot, and I was like, whoa, 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 we should just simmer down on calling the other nine year olds bigots at the moment. But it turned out it was sort of bigoted, so I was yeah. okay with it. But I, you know, it's an interesting like they have language and they're ready to use it and. And to defend when necessary, but sometimes it it's, it's it a little excited. Yeah. <laughs> what has to take place from a, a policy standpoint, from either the standpoint of, of politicians and government and all of that, for there to be true sort of equality uh, when we're talking about you know transgender people? I mean, I feel like in Canada we're doing a pretty good job of it right now. You know, we uh, Trudeau passed a anti discrimination act against like are in the bill recently. I'm like really bad at Canadian politics, but it's there. Uh, You know, we're paying more attention to what's happening in the States right now. And I think that there's a thousand policies that need to change there, probably starting with the administration itself, but that's just my feelings, (laughs) you know, Um, you know, it's hard to, it's, I think people don't know the toll that it takes on us to have our humanity debated in the news. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's really difficult to wake up and like, like, I don't want to be in the military. I have no desire to be a trans person in the military. I'm not American. I, there's no part of me that could even serve in the military if so. Um, and yet to, to see that like a human right is taken away from a whole group of people and that group of people being mine, it, it feels really painful to watch us be debated like we're a choice or a, you know, this like not human thing. It's really hard to watch it. Um, but I think that like, I'm getting a taste of what it is like for lots of different people across the world who are watching things be debated that they're human rights. that shouldn't be debated, you know? Mm. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> So let's let's shift gears a little bit and actually start talking uh, about your work, which uh, you know I didn't get to do a ton of digging into. But talk to me about kind of you know how your identity has informed the work that you do uh, as business owners. Yeah, for me, um, so I actually think that part of the way that I found who I am was sort of through doing this work. I started as a professional photographer. Um, 
I had a business doing that. I hired a business coach and and my business coach was like, hmm, it seems like you're trying to be the caricature of a professional photographer rather than who you actually are. And it was really a hurtful at the time, but it, it made me, it was like the first person that had pointed out that my masks were indeed masks. And mm. as I started to take those masks off and and really become who I was in my business and like own who I was as a family photographer, you know, I'm not... Yes, I have five children and I really love my children, but I'm not like a kid guy. I'm not like a, I'll get on the floor and play with you and do all those things. I wasn't like, I didn't fit the mold of what the typical family photographer was. And I was like, instead, I was like, listen, if you feel like you miss going to like concerts and dive bars and with drinking out of red solo cups, like you can still have a family and have great photos taken here's how we'll do it differently. And I started with that. And it, then it came to like being more authentic in myself more and more and more. And I realized that the, the joy that I got out of photography was actually in the like thrill of the hunt and of the sale rather than like, I didn't want to actually take the photos. Um, and so I sort of transitioned into helping other people find who they were and uh, using that as leverage rather than, you know, competing on price or competing on, product that they were competing on their why and on their personality and on who they are and can they connect with their ideal client and that sort of took off in my work but it also made me go oh i really should look at myself when doing this and like what do i like and who am i and the more i was leaning into who i was it was more, the more that i was leaning into being more masculine and then coupled that with like falling in love with Catherine and and you know, the more she was feminine, the more masculine I got to be. And it just sort of like, as I unearthed myself and, or as I unearthed other people and helped them bring their true, like essence of themselves forward and lead with that instead of leading with just a product, it sort of made me examine myself as well. And all of that, you know, has led to me being me. And I'm just really, really honest about who I am. And I talk a lot about having the, um, the superpower of having lived on both sides of the gender coin and knowing that that means that like, I know how women think and I know the uh, roadblocks that are there for them. And I know how men think. And I know that the roadblocks that are there for them too, because both boxes are rigid, rigid boxes that we're putting the genders into and neither box is very comfortable. Mm -hmm. So that's how yeah. it sort of has informed my work. For me, it's funny. I actually had no intention of becoming a life coach. I actually didn't even like the whole self-help personal development world very much. But it turns out that I have Tell Me Your Secrets tattooed on my forehead in inv invisible <laughs> ink. Like, you know, when I, when I think back, like I even, I used to work uh, as an actor and, you know, everyone would be at like a bar and there'd be this like crazy wild party going on. And I would always be sitting in a corner with someone who was like weeping, telling me their deepest, darkest secrets, you know, <laughs> like, and I love it. I love having deep, rich, intimate conversations. And I'm truly terrible at small talk. Um, so I, I sort of became a life coach by accident. Um, and it turned out, I love it. I love hearing people's stories. I love getting to tell my stories. Um, and I have always wanted to be a writer my whole life. And I, I am still trying to be a writer. I am a writer, I suppose I should say. Um, and, and this is this amazing way where I get to tell people stories and I get to hear their stories and um, somehow have managed to turn it into a career, which just sort of feels like, I don't know, I got away with something. <laughs> so I work with these amazing women um, all around the world. And, you know, they've all gotten to a place in their career where they, they look from the outside like they're living the dream. And in many ways they are They're They've got the job, they're writing the book that you're going to read. They're writing the TV show that you're going to read. And yet, you know, it can be very lonely and they've come to a place in their life where it seems like they're always on, you know, everybody needs something from them. Um, everyone wants them to do a favor. It's so much pressure and they can start to feel like there's nowhere in the world where they can be a hundred percent authentic and just unguarded and, and unfiltered. And so I love that I get to create this space, um, you know, in the ether really, because it all happens over the phone. I get to create this space for them that is a hundred percent safe 
where they can just spill everything, you know, and I don't care what they do. I I'm not invested in their trajectory. I don't need anything from them. And it's interesting as I sit with them, I realize that because I work for myself, you know, I am my own boss. Uh, my clients are very clear on who I am before they work with me that, that I get to be so unguarded all the time. And I don't think I even realized what a rare thing that was until I, you know, I started working with these women and, and, and sort of getting a sense of some of the, the pressures and new challenges that come as they were moving up their career ladder. So I love the fact that like, you know, I write this missive every week and I get to talk about my kids and my husband and anything, trees and spirit and sex and messiness and my heart. And that like ability to just get to share my heart with the world um, in a very tender, vulnerable way. I sometimes I'm like, I cannot believe that I tell the internet all of these things. But it also means that when when people, you know, come into the, sort of the world of my business, they've self-filtered themselves. You know what I mean? Like I don't ever get, um, uh, well, I'll just say it. I was like, I don't ever get Trump supporters who are like, actually one time I did and it was very shocking, you know, but they're like, <laughs> right? Like by the time they come to me, like I'm this queer, super feminist uh, woman married to a transgender man. I'm very open about the fact that I had an abortion and I'm very pro-choice. Um, I think that choosing to terminate a pregnancy can become this really sacred ritual in a woman's life. Like I'm so vocal about that stuff that by the time they come to me, they are like the most kindred spirits, you know, it's, it's often like meeting an old friend. And, and so it's been interesting for us as we have become more and more open and honest. Well, it's not even that we weren't honest before. I think it's just that we learned new things about ourselves in the past few years. And as we have become more and more open about sharing them, we found that the people who come to us, who do want to work with us, are like just the most amazing kind of resonant people for us. It's, it's really a delight to get to work with them. Mm, wow. You know, the thing that's really interesting to me is, I mean, I feel like all our, our entire conversation really has a, a been about this idea of removing masks and, you know, sort of the mm. appearance that we present to the world. And, and the funny thing is we live in a world where everything that we do is, a, you know, a presentation of an appearance to the world. Like I know no matter how authentic I might appear in a blog post, a podcast or whatever it is, my closest friends get a, a, a you know, a version of me that my public audience doesn't for sure. Mm -hmm. Like there are places where I say really inappropriate things that I will <laughs> never say to anybody uh, mm -hmm. in public. And uh, so, you know, I, I wonder how you get people to start taking off those masks because that's a really scary thing. You know I mean? I, I, you know, I, and I've told this story in a number of keynotes about how we do this, like starting at an early age. And for me, it was in the fifth grade when I realized that, you know, there were cute girls and, you know, popular kids and I was an unpopular kid. So I asked my dad to buy me a pair of sunglasses for the dance. Cause I literally thought if I had the sunglasses, I would feel confident enough to go up to the oh. really cute girl in class and ask her to dance with me. And of course that didn't even happen. So it <laughs> uh, didn't work. Well, and, and, you know, and the thing is that the sunglasses were the beginning of just like a long list of other things, like changing the way you dress, changing, you know, I mean, everything. So why is that? And how do we undo it? You know, I think this probably has always been true to some degree, right? For anyone who, you know, who's in, in the world in any way, which basically means everyone who has a job, um, mm -hmm. you know, but I think it's so heightened now by social media. Right. Yeah. And, and, and we, we, we feel like we see into people's lives. Um, and to some extent we do, but at the same time, like, you know, like everybody else, my Instagram feed is, is super curated. I'm, I'm trying to make it beautiful. I want it to be beautiful. And I think that there's like a balance to strike between being really authentic and truthful and mm -hmm. versus like vomiting your own unprocessed stuff onto your, 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 your people. Right. Like I don't, I don't want to use my email list or my social media, you know, people, I don't, I don't want to use them like my therapist. It's, yeah. they're not there for me to do my messy processing with. That's why we have, that's why we have a coach um, or I have a coach and we have therapists. But at the same time, I think it can feel so lonely sometimes when we look around at other people's lives and everything looks so beautiful and so perfect. And we only 
see the highlights reel and we don't hear any of the messy stuff that's going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's really this balance, right? Where on the one hand, I've definitely seen people overshare on social media, you know, and I'll, I'll yeah. be like, oh my gosh, I really wish you wouldn't say that. I'm cringing <laughs> for you right now. You've just destroyed your own credibility, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that that is something that can happen. But I also think that we're all craving, like we're craving tr- like something truthful. We want something real, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think- more and more as what we see on the news seems so absurd. Um, and, and, you know, we're all questioning, like, that's an understatement. You, you, yes. and you guys are saying that living in Canada, you can imagine what my yeah. are yes. like. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So many of my clients are, are really, really sensitive. Um, and, uh, and we talk a lot about like, all right, you, you, you just, you cannot keep watching the nightly news. It is literally shredding your soul. It's like putting yourself yeah. through a cheese grater. Stop it. Um, but, but yeah, like, like everything out there is so unreal and we watch, you know, quote unquote reality shows, which are like some of the most staged, you know, non-real things you've ever seen. And, and I think we're just craving something so real. And we think about this a lot and we talk about it a lot because we are so open. Um, uh-huh. And we've certainly gotten some like truly hateful comments and responses from, from things online. Um, and we feel really lucky to live in Canada where it is so safe for us. But we think about it a lot. Like, are we putting our kids in danger? Like, what will this cost them? Um, how do we, how do we share our story in a way that is authentic and truthful, but still respects their privacy? You know, and mm-hmm. it's different for them now because they're little. But as they get older, you know, it's going to keep evolving. So one of the sort of things that we we try to keep in mind is that when we're sharing, we want to be sharing. Uh, someone else said this, but that you should share from the 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 scar, not the open wound. You know, mm-hmm. so. We try to put a little bit of distance, um, you know, at the same time, sometimes we share really, really vulnerably in the moment, but I don't, I don't know anyone who's got this perfectly figured out. I Uh, do think that, um, that like as humans, we're all trained to move away from pain. And so I think that our masks are, are just these like things we put up to keep ourselves safe. Mm-hmm. that the mask that I wore was like, oh, I have to wear this mask where I can figure out how to be a girl because no one no one can know my shameful secret that I'm a boy secretly and like I don't fit and there's no one else like me. And so as a kid, I truly did believe that like I was the only human on the planet that had been born in the wrong body, mm-hmm. you know? And I had this intense... um this like shame and fear about who I was and like what I was going to do about it and how I could hide the secret. And I remember, um, once someone, we were at like a, a I was at a junior or a, like a youth event at my church because I went through a little church phase there myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there was a visiting like missionary who was like speaking at our youth group. And he was like, this boy over here, he's got the right idea. And I remember he was like talking about me and I, and I like sat there and I remember saying just like out loud, I'm a girl, like in like this, like, you know, sort of like, I can't believe this is happening. Like this shameful, whatever. And like, he was ashamed and I was ashamed and I was like, crap, he saw through me. He knew my terrible secret. And so I had to double down even harder because I just didn't think it was safe. I was so ashamed of who I was. I like, there was no one else like me. And I think that all of us, when we put these masks on, it's because we believe that there's no one else like us, that we're like the only one, that like you were the only uncool fifth grader who didn't have the, <laughs> the guts to talk to the girl, you know, which like the truth is, is that even the coolest fifth grader was terrified of it or yeah. should have been at least. Uh, <laughs> I, I always wonder, like, it's funny because I'm friends with that girl on Facebook and, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of doing research for another book uh, that I'm writing about, you know, sort of experiments with success on your own terms. And I kind of wanted, you know, to explore this idea of self-worth. And then part of me wanted to reach out and say, hey, did you see yourself the way that everybody else did? Like, did you know you were the prettiest girl in school? Yeah. Wouldn't right? that be fascinating to find out? She may yeah. remember it completely differently. Yeah. She may have said yes if you had asked. You should ask that question. Mm. Yeah. 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 Now we need to know. Now I need to know. This is a follow-up. <laughs> How many missed opportunities did I have in my life? Trust me, I have a list that's quite long. long that I, I look back and I'm like, well, that was obvious blatantly and I, mi- I completely overlooked it. I am curious how many of them include sunglasses. None of them. <laughs> okay, well, just that one time you knew that was not the thing. 
Yeah, I, I, I learned that lesson, I think, in the fifth grade. It's like, okay, well, that's not going to make a damn bit of difference. Yeah. <laughs> oh, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, the thing about masks, too, though, is that we usually think of them as something negative, right? Hmm. But the truth is that often when we put them on, they're they're really adaptive, right? Like, Nick, you were speaking about how for you, putting on the mask of you know being a girl was something that you needed to do to keep you safe. And I think that that's true for so many of the masks that we put on is that at the time, they're us just doing the very best that we can in that moment. And in fact, it might be a really healthy, uh, like functional thing to, to put on a mask. It keeps mm-hmm. us safe in a certain situation at a certain time. I think the challenge though, is that we grow up and it's like, we forget that there are even masks. We forgot that we've got like 40 different masks like layered on. Um, and some part of us, it's like, needs to just be reminded like, oh, you know what? You're not that little kid anymore. It, mm-hmm. Look around. The world is different. Look how different you are. Look how much bigger and stronger you are now. And these, these you know, masks or behaviors or beliefs that may have really protected us at one point can start to feel like cages if we don't keep, you know, peeling them off and, and looking around and, and sort of making new decisions about who we want to be and who are we based on the fact that we're now grownups, right? And and, and yeah, it's, it's funny how much the things that serve us at one point can start to hurt us later mm-hmm. if we don't keep evolving and changing. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, this has been really, really eye-opening and amazing as I expected it would be. So I have one last question for you guys, uh, which I'm sure you've heard me ask. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? I think that... We all have something inside us that's it's like a like a, like a note or a tune, <laughs> like like silent music. And I think that the people who let themselves just resonate with their own sound, you can like feel it. They're resonant. They're they're like harmonious with themselves. They're not like trying to to stop it or make it be like higher or lower. They're just they're like they're like in tune with themselves. It's a funny one. I never said it like that before, but. Yeah, I think it makes them unmistakable. And I probably would have just echoed the same thing, only using an entirely different metaphor. I would have said definitely that, like, it's whatever your superpower is, instead of hiding the best part, it's like uh, it's like bringing the best part out into the light. That most of us think that our best part is actually, like, the thing we should hide the most. It's our shameful secret. And if we can take our shameful secret and bring it out into the light and, like, you know... uh broadcast that or project that instead that like that's usually where the magic is in my experience amazing well i can't thank you enough for uh taking the time to uh, share your insights and uh, your stories with the listeners because this has been really eye-opening for me uh personally so i have uh one last thing where can people find out more about you your work and everything that you guys are up to they can find me at declaredominion.com and you can find me at nicknorth.co. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we'll wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.